We're going to turn to God's word now. So if you please open your Bibles at Deuteronomy 10 verses 12 to 22. That's Deuteronomy 10 verses 12 to 22. So from verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants above all the nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God, who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were seventy in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. The second reading is from Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 34. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our next song is a version of the Creed, which reminds us what Christians have always believed. We are continuing to look this morning at the Sermon on the Plain from Luke at chapter 6. And those uh, phrases that we've just had read to us, many of which have, as sure you recognise, as they've kind of come common in everyday life, haven't they? Uh, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, do to others what you have them do to you. Uh, they're often phrases that we hear when we talk about uh, how to love people we don't get on with. Phrases that Christians are held to account on. And they're incredibly challenging phrases 
uh, as well. Jesus is calling his disciples to a radically uh, gracious, generous kind of love that is not often seen. But when we do see it, it's incredibly powerful. So I'm going to begin by showing you a video. It's from a US courtroom in October last year. And the camera, as we join the video, is focused on a guy who's giving a statement. Uh, he's given that statement just after an ex-policewoman, a lady called Amber Geiger, uh, has been convicted of murdering this guy's brother, a guy called Botham Jean. Uh, and so we'll pick the, 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 the clip up uh, and we'll see a guy who demonstrates uh, what it is to love your enemy and to turn the other cheek. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but... I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Powerful, isn't it? Not the kind of love that you see every day. Radical, gracious, kind of love that Jesus is calling us to in this passage. See the whole section, if you've got your Bibles there in front of you, it'd be great uh, to have them open on Luke chapter 6. Uh, the whole section starts and ends with love your enemies. Uh, it's there in verse 27 and it's there in verse 35. See, so we're not this morning talking about loving our friends. Uh, of course we are to do that. But it, this is more about loving the bully at school, about loving that noisy neighbour you struggle to have patience with, uh, loving that work colleague who's solely focused on climbing the corporate ladder, uh, loving the family member who started a family feuds, uh, loving the person who you lent something to but never ever have seen it back, loving your brother's murderer. So Jesus is calling his listeners, those uh, disciples then uh, and us now, to a radical, uh, a gracious love towards those sorts of people. 
Uh, and there are two points this morning. Radical love and gracious love. Let's start with radical love in verses 27 to 31. Jesus uh, doesn't let his listeners uh, get away with thinking that uh, the kind of love for your enemies that he's talking about is a kind of airy-fairy, lip-service kind of love. Uh, in this first section, Jesus gives four commands of what loving your enemies looks like, uh, followed by four illustrations of that. Uh, so have a look with me at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. You see that loving your enemies is more than just a feeling. It involves action, it involves words, and it involves prayers. Uh, so your actions do good to those who hate you. And most of the time, though, we just want to avoid people who don't we don't get on with. But Jesus says there's a different way. Do good to them. It might be that kind act, that unexpected note, uh, that willingness to listen to them giving them a hug, whatever demonstrates love towards your enemy. It's in actions and it's in words. Bless those who curse you. How hard it is to, to keep your cool when someone is speaking bad of you. And we just want to jump up and defend ourselves. And then we go off and speak uh, about the person behind their back to someone else. It's not my fault. It's them. But again, Jesus says there's a different way. Speak well of, uh, bless those who speak badly of you. Uh, tell them you forgive them. Tell them you love them, both to them, uh, and then go to others and speak well of them. How lovely it is when you meet someone who never says a bad word about anyone else. It's your actions, it's your words, and it's your prayers. Pray for those who ill-treat you. What we pray about often uh, reveals what's in our hearts. Uh, so in situations uh, where someone is mistreating us, then of course we're to pray about the situation, but we're to pray about the other person as well. How often do we do that? Pray for them as an individual. Actions, words, prayers. They go together with the feelings. Uh, to make the four things that Jesus says uh, come together to love our enemies. And then he uses four illustrations to demonstrate this kind of radical love. Look at verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, if you're anything like me at this point, you're straight away thinking, yes, but. See, we understand what Jesus is saying. But we want to put our caveats in, don't we? Yeah, think of the situations. Surely in situation X, this doesn't quite apply like that. I mean, it'd be far more loving for me to do something different uh, or you know 
yeah, Jesus, you're right in the ideal world, but, you know, it's complicated. You know, what is the right thing to do? But notice Jesus doesn't teach it that way. There are no caveats here. So, yes, we're to act wisely. Yes, we need to consider all that the Bible has to say. Yes, Jesus doesn't cover every situation we find ourselves in. But that's not an excuse to try and make things easier on ourselves. And isn't often that's what our caveats are doing. Trying to downplay it uh, so it's easier for us. We don't have to be, feels quite so uncomfortable. We don't have to step out there. Jesus wants to swing the pendulum completely in the other direction. I don't think what's best for us. What's the most radically loving thing that I could do in this situation? What's the most radical love I could show this person at this point? And that's why his uh, illustrations show that loving your enemies means not seeking revenge or retribution. It's about being generous. It's about always willing to love. Uh, it's about giving more than you expect it. See how they're focused on demonstrating love? Love to enemies? It was as with any love. It's no use just thinking, I love you. And we need to say it. We need to show it. And actually, as we say it and as we show it, they will increase or, or even possibly change our feelings towards our enemies. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbour or your enemy. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you'll presently come to love them. Now, what it looks like in different situations, of course, is going to vary. But the challenge here is not to uh, approach those situations uh, and thinking about yourself. It's approaching those situations and thinking, how can I love radically? That's why verse 31 gives a really handy summary for us to remember and for us to apply. Actually, since the 16th century, theologians have called this the golden rule. It's verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. How would I like to be treated? What would I want said to me? Imagine if we took those questions into each of our interactions with someone, especially those we don't get on with. Wouldn't that change our mindsets? Wouldn't that change us from being selfish and uh, trying to make things easier? Wouldn't that uh, change us from thinking, what can I get out of this? How can I make myself look good? Wouldn't that help us to instead look outwards? to have empathy, to think about what's best for the other person. It's going to help us love because it'll affect our feelings, it'll affect our actions, it'll affect our words, it'll affect our prayers. 
how would I like to be treated? What would I want said to me? This is radical love. The kind of love that stands out when we see it. It's, it's why the media was so keen to show those videos of Botham Jean's brother. It's not the kind of love you see every day. It's surprising. But it's incredibly attractive. It's different to the world. And Jesus draws out that point uh, more in this uh, second part of this section that's related. But the Christian love stands out. And it stands out secondly because it's a gracious love. That's there in verses 32 to 36. Uh, a gracious love. We could call it a generous love. Have a look at verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. Those three questions, loving those who love you, uh, doing good to those who are good to you, uh, and lending to those who can repay. They're all things everyone does. Jesus isn't saying that Christians shouldn't do them. Uh, absolutely we should be. Uh, everyone does them. But he adds in that phrase repeatedly, what credit is that to you? See, Jesus is showing that this is the baseline of love. And then even sinners manage the baseline. Jesus wants his followers to go further. It's a demanding calling, but to go further. See, that's why Christian love is different to the world. Because it does those things, uh, loving, doing good, lending without repayment to those who don't love us, those who aren't good to us, those who cannot repay us. We love them, we do good to them and we give them something they don't deserve. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything it's the idea of, uh, of lending with no strings attached. Uh, I guess that's what we do, isn't it? One of the things we do when we give to the, the food bank uh, is an example of that, as we were hearing earlier, dropping stuff in the basket in Sainsbury's. We lend, we give without expecting to get anything back. What about when we lend uh, something small like a book or a DVD or even something bigger like some money? It's lending those things as well without worrying if we'll ever see it again. See, that's gracious love. Grace is giving to someone generously what they don't deserve. It's gracious love. Not just to our friends, but to our enemies too. In fact, to everyone. And so I wonder, what does this kind of love look like at the moment, in this time of coronavirus and the season of lockdown, what's it look like 
for us, each of us, to be radically and graciously loving others? Perhaps that's a question you'd like to ponder yourselves, uh, chat about as a family, uh, or, or talk about in your small group this week. What does it look like to be radically and graciously loving uh, in these times? Of course, we've seen many examples of it, both nationally and as a church. Sarah showed some earlier. It is great that those things are going, that they are going on, and so self-sacrificially. I'm aware as well that some of us, I just find that initial wave of energy has, has gone. We're finding lockdown hard. That's okay. It's natural. Uh, it's it, it's going to get harder. But that doesn't mean we can stop loving. Actually, what's going to motivate us to, to keep loving during this time? What what motivates someone like Botham Jean's brother to uh, go and hug and tell the murderer of his brother that he loves her? What will motivate us when we come out of lockdown uh, and we... We need a change mindset because there's some people we just have been glad we haven't seen during this time. What's going to change our mindsets towards them? What's going to motivate us when we're finding things tough? Well, this passage tells us it's knowing we've been graciously loved. Have a look at where verse 35 carries on. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do you remember that video we started with? It's not until we realise that actually, firstly, we're Amber Geiger, that our love for enemies will flow. See, we were in the dock. We had sentenced because of wrong things we'd done against God. And at that point, the Father steps in. Romans 5 verse 10 says, While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son. And because uh, of that work of salvation that the Father and the Son put in place. It's like Jesus is standing there, sitting there, uh, giving a, a statement. And as he gives the statement, he looks up to the judge's seat, to his father, and says, can I give her a hug? Yes comes a reply and Jesus steps down to his enemy and embraces us. That's radical, gracious love. That's radical, gracious love that's been lavished on us. God gave something far more precious than a book or a DVD or even money. He gave his son to make us his children. So we're now radically 
graciously loved by someone who we were once enemies to. But now we love him. We are his children. And when we realise and remember that truth, when we remember how much that cost, when we remember the great reward that's now ours because of Jesus's work of salvation, then we have our motivation to love our enemies. Because God did it to us. So love your enemies. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Uh, lend without expecting anything back. Yes, they are challenging commands. But when we have a God who's willing to act like that to us, then we, in the power of his spirit, can act that way to others.